We are back. Back at it again here on the Chief Zone. Farzim Vasugian here with you. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this edition of the Chief Zone podcast. As always, feel free to interact with me on social media, facebook.com. Look me up, Farzine Vasugian, like my Facebook page. And you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. The Chiefs currently on a three-game skid, looking to bounce back and have an opportunity this week against a better opponent, uh, or at least a better opponent uh, skill-wise, similar skill sets, and the Chicago Bears. We'll get into that later in the show. And I also want to touch on why... You should feel more optimistic about the 2015 Kansas City Chiefs season. I know there's not a lot to feel optimistic about, uh, especially that week two game. Since then, things have really gone downhill for Chiefs and their fans in terms of a uh, mentality and optimistic standpoint. And I understand that. Uh, but I think Chiefs fans need to give this season, season a chance. Uh, don't, don't quite drop out yet. Now, I know everyone's in full Kansas City Royals mode facing the Houston Astros, and as they should be. But I think you can also share some uh, some excitement with the Chiefs as well. Because I think the Chiefs can find a turning point really soon. But I'll let you guys decide if these are valid reasons or not. I'm just here to provide the reasons. We'll get into that in just a moment. But gosh, Monday Night Football. And I hope you fans are watching these primetime games. Because these primetime games always, always, always have crazy endings. They do. They, 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 it's like a movie script. The NFL somehow gets it right. They always pick the right games for primetime, and nine times out of ten, you'll get a crazy ending. We saw it on Monday Night Football. Actually, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. With the Ravens coming back, the Saints winning right away in overtime, and then, gosh, right before the end of the game, Calvin Johnson... At the one-yard line, fumbling it on his way to the end zone. And then it was batted out of bounds by a Seahawks defender. Here's what I have to say about that. Because that was an illegal hit out of bounds. And by the ruling, the enforcement should have been... First and goal for Detroit at the one. Which is basically should have been uh, a new set of downs where uh, the spot of the ball should uh, should have happened because he picked up a first down. I, if he didn't pick up a first down, I have to admit, I don't know the ruling on that, but it should have been Detroit football at the, at the one, which is where the fumble happened. And you know what? Given that it is a penalty, a defensive penalty, I think it would have been a new set of downs because normally a lot of defensive penalties do result in a new set of downs. So I'm assuming it should have been a first down. But here's my thing. Your wide receiver, not just a wide receiver, a a guy nicknamed Megatron, an all-star wide receiver. He fumbled it at the one on his way to the end zone. It's funny, they they showed so many replays of that, and they show Brandon Tate, or pardon me, Golden Tate. Brandon Tate's the one who got that nice touchdown last week against the Chiefs. They show Golden Tate putting his arms up, celebrating because he... Thinks it's going in. In the back of his mind, he knows it's happening. But wait, Calvin Johnson fumbles. And I I know how irate Detroit fans have to feel. But don't be upset at the refs for missing the call. And look, 
refs are human too. I, I think every and by the way, Mike Tirico and Gruden, they didn't even say anything either. And those guys know the rule book better than a lot of people in the media. Nobody said anything, and and on social media, there was no backlash about this until about, gosh, ten or fifteen minutes after it all happened. Because I think everyone was so shocked, especially the officials, and maybe the official who was the back judge. I think he was so focused on the defender's feet, making sure he was in bounds, and Casey pulled it in, but no one said he he must have missed the part where he punched it out. I don't know. But bottom line, the officials did not lose that game for the Lions. Your wide receiver, who had possession of the ball, going to the end zone, had it at the one, he fumbled it, he lost you that football game. There's no reason for your Pro Bowl, big-time Megatron wide receiver to fumble it when he's about to give you the game-winning score. Look, I, I I I don't like officials with the way they handle things sometimes. I think they deserve criticism, but they are never the sole reason for whether or not a team wins or loses. You can always look back at so many different things that happened in the game as to why a team won or lost. I just think we need to take it back with officials. Officials are such an easy target for sports fans. That's just my take on that. I do want to add, the NFL needs to do something. I I, I think that, look, by all means, don't get me wrong, it should have been Detroit's ball. I agree that the officials should be criticized, but I'm not saying, I'm here to say they're not the reason for the loss. I do want to add, the NFL needs to do something about this. And not just the NFL, all sports. Sports leagues are so protective of the referees, the umpires, the judges involved. They need to be held accountable. They really do. And at the end of the day, the NFL needs to do something to the point where everything needs to be able to to be reviewed. And I'm not saying review every single play, but look, let's let's allow coaches to review penalties. Because that needs to happen. And like I said, I'm not saying review every single play. It's just keep your keep your two challenges. You will be rewarded with a third if your both the, the ta- challenges you had, if they both go your way, you get the third challenge. So I'm not saying make everything reviewable every single time. No. I still think you follow the rule. Let the coaches uh, use their two challenges if and when they want to, and then inside two minutes, and then scoring plays, and overtime goes to the officials. The NFL's got to do something about that. All right, let's move on. Uh, as I promised, uh, and, and I said this last episode as well, three reasons why the Chiefs will find a turning point in the season now. Obviously, and here's what's really surprising. Going into week one, two, three, and four, the Chiefs faced teams who had not lost. Now, obviously, going into week one, no one lost. Everyone's 0-0. So you face the Texans. Again, no losses there, obviously. Going to week two, you play a 1-0 Broncos team. Going to week three on Monday night, you have a Packers team that's 3-0. Or became 3-0, I should say. And then you go into week four, playing the Bengals on the road, and the Bengals move on to 4-0. and So with the exception of the Texans, because obviously no one's necessarily undefeated in week one, 
But but after that week one win, all the teams the Chiefs have faced have been undefeated. All of them 4-0 right now. The Broncos, Packers, and the Bengals. The Chiefs are about to face the Bears, Vikings, Steelers, and Lions, who all hold a 2-2 or worse record. So the schedule is about to get a little easier. And look, I'm not here to make an excuse for that. The Chiefs have to show up against tough opponents. Look what they did against the Patriots last year on Monday Night Football, which felt pretty darn good for Chiefs fans. Also did it against Seattle fans, the reigning Super Bowl champions at the time. Both of them, by the way, went into the Super Bowl. Now, like I said, the Chiefs did choke in some other games, which that's the frustration about 2014, the imbalance the Chiefs had. But the Chiefs were able to show up against good teams last year. This year they did it, and that has to change because the schedule will pick back up later in the season. The Chiefs will face the Broncos again later in the season, and the Chiefs have got to do something about that if they want to stay in the AFC West race. Look, I know a lot of Chiefs fans have doubts right now, including me, but a lot can happen in such a short time span. Maybe Denver goes on a losing trail here. Maybe that quarterback issue with Manning, maybe that ends up haunting them. So you never know what the what the Broncos right now. If the Chiefs can turn things around against the Bears, Vikings, Steelers, and Lions, that'll be pretty good. One other thing to note, the Chiefs played three of their first four games on the road. And I, that also goes to my second point. The Chiefs have had a lot of short weeks from week one to week two. Yes, they were at home in week two, but that's still a pretty short week. And again, not an excuse here. The Chiefs did go on the road on Thursday night a couple of years ago against, it was Philadelphia. Andy Reid's first time back at Philadelphia, and the Chiefs won that football game. So that's not an excuse by all means, but but it can take a toll, especially when you have so, so many multiple short weeks. The Chiefs also had a short week from week three on Monday Night Football, traveling to Green Bay, having to again, deal with a short week and travel to Cincinnati, that again is a tall order itself right there. To to have such a short week and having two road games in those those times right there. So, Kansas City has had a pretty rough rough schedule. And I've heard a lot. I was uh, reading Yahoo Sports and the power rankings, and I was shocked to see Kansas City at 15. Now, the way they started the list, it went from... 32, 31, 30, and all the way down to 1. And as I continued to scroll down that list, I was shocked I didn't see Kansas City. I, I, I actually questioned whether or not Kansas City was in the top 10. Uh, eventually, I, I saw their 15th. Uh, and the excuse was the schedule, especially the way the schedule was. With everything I said, playing all these undefeated teams, having only one game at home, and then having two very short weeks. That's not easy to deal with for an NFL team. So, hey, look, the Chiefs did have an 11-day break in one of those uh, periods, but didn't show up. So, again, these are not excuses by all means, I, especially that 11-day break. I, I I think we all agree Green Bay was not a game that we penciled down as a win, but you still have to show up in that game, too. And, and, and the final score, I think, is not an indication of how close that game really was. But for the Chiefs, something's got to be done coming up because you've got an easy schedule playing the Bears, Vikings, Steelers, and Lions. You've got two of your next four games at home. You've got one game in London, which again, I'm sure that'll be a hot sports week full of hot takes 
when we get closer to that that time. And you have normal weeks coming up. You're going to have a normal preparation schedule. Your games are going to be all on Sundays. Now, I know that London game. I, I don't know how Andy Reid's going to prepare for that. I believe this is Andy Reid's first international game. I'll have to double check on that by, when we get closer to that week. But that'll be interesting to see how he handles that week uh, in terms of preparation. But for the most part, this Kansas City team is about to have a normal schedule. You're going to have a couple games at Arrowhead Stadium. And again, you don't have many of these. You already played one and blew that one. You have one that's going to be in London. So you only have six of these left. And the NFL home field is huge, especially at a venue like Arrowhead. So Kansas City has a lot going its way in the next couple of weeks. So this is an opportunity, a huge opportunity for the Chiefs to just create a gash and get through and come back in the division and if you don't win the division this is an opportunity to get back in the wild card now moving on to the Chicago Bears a game that look I've gone back and forth with who I think is going to win here and I, I I'll be honest I still don't know maybe talking it out and uh giving out everything I've looked up maybe that'll help but Gosh, it, it, the, the the stat that really gets me the most is the fact that Jamal Charles has had 22 carries in the last two games combined, uh, and he's uh, gained 124 yards. He ran it 21 times against Denver for 125 yards. Look, I get it's the West Coast offense. I get this is Andy Reid's style, but let's run the ball some more. Give it to your best. You, easily, you have by far one of the best players and Jamal Charles, one of the most explosive, dominant, dangerous scatbacks in the game. He'll likely finish his career as a guy with the best yard per carry rushing average we've ever seen in the league. And it's, it's, it's impressive given what he's gone through, having to still be Larry Johnson's backup in 09 and Thomas Jones' backup in 2010 and still dominating that 2010 season, helping the Chiefs reach the AFC West as champions. But this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to really dominate the game against the Bears who are ranked 24th in stopping the run. It shocked me against Green Bay, and I get it was on the road, but it shocked me how the Chiefs got a three and out to start the game a defensive three and out. Kansas City gets the football, and the Chiefs don't even take advantage of this weak Green Bay defense. I mean, they've got a couple good players, but they don't play well as a as a unit. So when I saw that, and I saw Andy Reid how he decided to pass more than run, I said, "What the hell?" I mean, only eleven carries in that game for Jamal. You've got to give it to him more. Look, I understand that you don't want to wear your players out, but look what happened in 2013. It led to 11 victories for the Chiefs. I'd rather wear Jamal out and let him carry the ball. And he, Look, I understand you, you you want to use him in the passing game, too, and he is very dangerous through the air as well. We saw it ever, ever since Andy Reid's gotten here, but he's a running back. Running backs, obviously their primary duty is to run the ball before before catching. So bottom line, give it. I'm all for giving it to Jamal because the Chiefs have been a little slow getting together. Now, Alex Smith is sixth in uh, passing yards between Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill, which comes off as a surprise, but it really doesn't because 
Number one, the Chiefs have really done a good job of moving the football, especially against good defenses like Denver and Cincinnati. But it hasn't resulted into points for the Chiefs, even though they're ranked, I believe, in the top 10 in points. So, and I will say that that stat is misleading because the Chiefs have had a lot of points in the uh, second half. Uh, I mean, you you get that with uh, against Green Bay. The Chiefs got so many of their points in the fourth quarter of that game. Plus, Cairo Santos kicking seven field goals for you, trying to keep you high in that average. That kind of helps too. But the Chiefs, they, they, they've got to get going here. Obviously, they can move the football. We saw it against Cincinnati. That's why the Chiefs got seven scores. Now you've got to make sure those are seven or six touchdowns, not all field goals. I mean, look, every team has to settle with a field goal now and then, but if it's every single score being a field goal, that'll cost you. That'll hurt you, unless your defense is the absolute best in shutting other teams down, which we all know there is no perfect team in sports. So the Chiefs have got to get their running game going, and I think they have an opportunity to do it with Jamal Charles. It's The, the big question mark is, does Andy Reid actually do it? I mean, he, he's... Admitted so much, he's admitted to negligence, uh, having the wrong play calls, not not being good at, with the play calls. Let's do it then. Let's let's get over our weaknesses and improve on them because half the battle is knowing what you did wrong. The other half is going out there and adjusting and doing it right the second time. That's got to happen with the Chiefs, and I think that's the part that makes me nervous when it comes to deciding who's going to win this football game. Speaking of. The Chiefs, even though Jamal Charles hasn't run the ball much, he's fourth in the NFL in rushing yards with 306. But two spots above him, Matt Forte, the guy who the Chiefs will have to try and stop, 367 yards for Forte. It's pretty good so far. So the Chiefs, I mean, this is going to be, by the way, the Chiefs, not too good. Uh, in, in defense overall, especially stopping the run, but also 28th against the pass. If you told me the Chiefs would be 28th against the pass after the first quarter of the season, I would have said you're absolutely crazy. No way I would have thought the Chiefs would have been this poor against the pass. Uh, it's a place where they excel, uh, or at least the past two years, and this year, it's really shocking to me. Yes, I get they're playing undefeated teams, but last year the Chiefs played a lot of good offenses and still showed up against these good passing teams. So the pass rush has got to come alive. Justin Houston, Tom Bahali have got to do better. I understand Dontari Poe, he had back surgery in the offseason or right before training camp, really. So if he doesn't help you out, you know, I think the Chiefs have got to consider a, a Jay Howard or an Allen Bailey to fill in for him. Uh, those guys have played well up front at the defensive line, so and that nose tackle spot is huge. The Chiefs are fortunate to have a dominant defensive tackle, or a nose tackle more specifically, in Dontari Poe, because that helps Justin Houston and Tom Bahali and the rest of the defense. And if you have that pass rush there, I think it's going to pay off, and it's going to help Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, Sean Smith, and the rest of those guys in the secondary get back into rhythm. Speaking of applying pressure, Jay Cutler was sacked three times against the Raiders last week. He missed week three with a hamstring injury. The Chicago Tribune, I was, I was looking at the Chicago Tribune, uh, he told the Tribune that he wants to be more mobile coming back. So obviously he wasn't able to do that so much against Oakland, despite getting that narrow win 
against the Raiders. But Jay Cutler has an opportunity to do that. Look, everyone is saying that the Chiefs can bounce back in this football game because it's Chicago. Well, look, Chicago is saying the same thing about Kansas City about because of how poorly the Chiefs have played so far this year. So both sides are, are, are feeling good. Both sides have a reason to believe that their team will win because of just how the how both teams have looked so far this year. The way I'm looking at it, and this is a stat that I haven't even read yet, both the Bears and the Chiefs tie each other in a category, and they tie dead last, and that is points allowed. That is what frust- that is what really scares me. It probably frustrates both teams. And as a fan, and as a guy who tries to analyze the game, this is what makes me nervous. When it comes to deciding the football game. This is why I'm a little hesitant to picking the Chiefs. Because I'm not so sure if the Chiefs are going to win in a shootout. And if Andy Reid doesn't run the ball with Jamal. Or or if he's negligent and doesn't give it to Jamal. This could be a runaway game for the Chicago Bears. And they're going to steal one at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, I'm going to try to put myself in Andy Reid's shoes for a moment, which I know is a difficult thing because Andy Reid has been unpredictable. I think as fans, we're thinking he's going to change his ways with play calling, and he doesn't. But if I'm Andy Reid, I'm thinking to myself, look, I've made the same mistake so many times. We've got to bounce back. We've got to, we've got to change things. It's time for a change. And... Look, I get Andy Reid's going to be the play caller. That's something we've got to accept. But I think as a longtime head coach who's seen a lot of success and even a lot of downs in the NFL, I think Andy Reid knows that he's got to do something about it. Because if not, I think Mr. Hunt and Mr. Dorsey, I mean, those guys are going to start having conversations with him and let him know, hey, look, if things don't change, we may have to consider a new head coach. So Andy Reid... He knows he's on the hot seat. He knows things have to change really soon. So I I know a lot of people are ready to drop Andy Reid and look for a new head coach this offseason. I'm saying give – I've been on the opposite end of that because this is the guy who has the fourth most career wins in the NFL among all active head coaches. So I haven't given up on Andy Reid yet. I know it's easy to do so when you're one and three on a three-game losing streak, but I, I, I've, I've, I'm really holding out hope for Andy Reid. I'm hoping that he can see his mistakes and understand that where this team is right now at one and three, and that there's a great door of opportunity to fight back and rebound and really get back into the swing of things. It happened last year when the team was zero and two, went on to win six. Of their next seven games, pardon me, seven of their next eight games. And next thing you know, the Chiefs are seven and three, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, especially right after beating Seattle. Boom! There's that Thursday night loss to the Raiders, followed by two more. So hopefully, Andy Reid can wake up and understand this is where the turning point has to happen. I might be crazy, I, I might come back next week on the podcast and regret it and admit ignorance. But I'm going to give Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt that he's going to change his play calling ways 
and that he's going to give the ball more to Jamal. Look, 24th in stopping the run, and Chicago's been involved in some close battles here. So this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to really get things going, and by doing so, you've got to run the ball. Now, I've talked about Alex Smith and how a lot of his statistics and the Chiefs scoring have been a little misleading. Now, the Chiefs, more specifically, Alex Smith and Jeremy Macklin have have gotten going a little bit. They've formed some on-field chemistry. And look, I know you can I, you can find that chemistry and work on it and develop it in OTAs and training camp, but that means absolutely nothing because it's the games themselves. The experience, that's where things have got to unfold. And it has unfolded a little bit for the Chiefs with Macklin and Smith. Macklin has had back-to-back 100-yard games. Again, I, I know a lot of them have come in the second half when the defense is playing a little soft and playing that prevent defense because they don't want to risk injury. They want to, I mean, they they know the game has been decided. But if the Chiefs can find some consistency with Smith and Macklin, and, and Travis Kelsey has been a non-factor lately, they've got to get him involved. If the Chiefs can get those guys involved in the, in the passing game more, and I, I'm sure Jamal Charles will be a guy through the air, that's going to be huge for the Kansas City Chiefs. That is going to help the Chiefs tremendously against a very weak Bears defense. The Chiefs don't have a lot of injuries to be concerned about, so that's always good news. For the Bears, they, they're pretty nicked up. The injury book has, it's all over the place. More predominantly, we talked about Jay Cutler, who has been limited in practice this week, but also limited participation, Alshon Jeffrey, Really one of the uh, rising stars and a guy who I think can do even more if he has uh, an elite quarterback working with him. The fact that Jay Culler has done so well with him is kind of a surprise, uh, especially when you had Brandon Marshall on the other side for a while, who was also uh, there uh, receiving a lot of yards and, and touchdowns. But Alshon Jeffrey is a guy who, really a dominant guy, uh, again, limited on participation. So we'll see if he comes through and is going to play on Sunday. One of the guys that you want to keep an eye on for Chicago, wide receiver Martellus Bennett, 24 catches, 201 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Actually, the tight end, number 83, that's really been their biggest pass catcher for the Chiefs. So that's a player who the Chiefs definitely want to watch out for. And again, I I read his number out, so definitely want to keep keep out for Bennett. I think that's going to be the guy who can give the Chiefs a lot of trouble. But again, it's Jay Cutler. Again, he took three sacks. This year, and in the three games he's played, he's been sacked five times. If the Chiefs can go out there and apply pressure, you can have Martellus Bennett as your tight end and Alshon Jeffrey starting at wide receiver. It won't matter much if that pass rush can come alive and get to the Bears. The Bears, by the way, negative negative two turnover ratio, so a great opportunity again for the Chiefs. I don't know how many times I've said great opportunity. I hope someone has tallied that. Because, if you haven't noticed, this is a great opportunity for the Chiefs to get back in this game. No, seriously though, this is the turning point. It's got to be this week. And again, my my deciding factor in who I think is going to win this game, Andy Reid. I think he's going to understand the woes and that it's way overdue and that it's time to turn things around. So I'm picking the Chiefs and I'm giving Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt that he can 
change his ways, have a better offense, give it to Jamal Moore, especially on the ground, and it'll lead to a win. So I'm picking the Chiefs in this one. Final score, gosh, uh, both teams really good at giving up points, but this is very uncharacteristic for the Chiefs to be in this kind of a game and win. I'm going to go 31-28. I think it's going to be close. It's going to come down to the wire. I just looked up the national perspective, looking at ESPN and Yahoo at their uh, pundits. Everyone on ESPN is picking the Chiefs. The Yahoo guys, they don't have it out yet, but they looked at the – they they provide the public perception, and everyone's picking the Chiefs. The Chiefs favored to win – by nine over the Bears. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do think a win for the Chiefs. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please spread the word. Download and listen through iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes anytime a new podcast is out. And anytime you are on iTunes, the newest episode of the Chiefstone will be downloaded straight into your iTunes library. And you guys can listen anytime, anywhere. So please subscribe and let others know about the podcast. Please interact with me on social media. I had fun with the uh, fan questions earlier this week that we did on the podcast. And even when we, when we don't do questions for the show, I love interacting with you guys. You guys always make it a lot of fun. So please like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugian. Give it a like on Facebook. And then on Twitter, follow me at Farzine21. Talk to me before, after, during the games, anytime. Let's keep those discussions rolling. Farzine Vesugian here with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Chief Zone. I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the postseason action with the Royals and Astros and the Chiefs on Sunday. A lot to root for. Hopefully Kansas City can finish on top. Talk to you next week.